HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring interactions from drug studies in a laboratory. If this effect is as big as he's saying, somebody should have discovered this long before he did. To global wisdom on avoiding hangovers. Beber cerveza antes de tomar vino no previene los Be- síntomas. Beer before wine, you're going to be fine. Wine before beer, you're going to be queer. To the novel recipes developed by an Indian American family deep in the heart of Texas. And then my mom's sort of coming to America and learning that uh, white parents love to melt cheese on things to get their kids to eat it. She was like, this is genius. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to Meat in 3. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. You are broadcast live from, um, from a studio at Wardus in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify it in this program with my cook guest. And my guest today is Moe Kuroki, who is the chef owner of Oisa Ramen in Boston. One of my listeners contacted me and said I should definitely have Moe on the show, because according to him, she's the most recognizable figure in ramen culture in Boston, <laughs> and also known as a ramen girl. So today we'll find out how a young Japanese woman with no community school training, started a super popular ramen shop and challenges she faced in opening and running a ramen shop and her signature dishes and much, much more. But quickly before we start, Japan Eats is available on Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify and subscribe to Japan Eats. And please write a review. We appreciate your feedback. Also, if you have any ideas about talks of the show or show guests, please let, let us know. Like, um, 
how we got moe today. And you can email us at japanese.theheritageradionetwork.org or at kikukatayama.com. Now let's start a conversation with Moe Kroki. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, first, uh, this is my regular question. Where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? So I am from Fukuoka, Japan. I grew up eating mostly my mom's food, but they both worked. So quite often we also went out to eat. And ramen was one of those things my father would take me after dinner for snack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ramen. Well, the first of all, Fukuoka is the mecca of ramen, yeah. of tonkotsu soup. And also ramen is always after drinking, it's a kind of snack. To yeah. heal <laughs> in Japan, anyways. So, okay, and uh, when and why did you come to the US? I came to United States when I was 15 after graduating from junior high school to attend high school to learn and study English.、Mm, so, you wanted to leave Japan? I think my thought of leaving Japan wasn't to leave Japan to leave Japan, but I really knew I had to come into the country to learn how to speak、mm. English. I wouldn't, you know, in Japan we have a great school system, you learn from books and you get all this education, but、yeah. you don't. I might, looking at my sister, she, she was like, Perfect student, but she's struggling to actually、mm. speak the language itself. And I'm not a studious person, I had to force myself. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you wanted to use English at some point yeah, in your life. I don't know why.、Mm. Right. So maybe you're very open minded, it was like a <laughs> destiny to live in the States. Yeah. Right. So, okay. And、uh, so I heard, well, that was、uh, which year?、Uh, that was、uh, what year was it that you came to? That was like. 15, 15 years ago? So, 90. So, now it's 21 years ago. Oh, wow.、Yeah. Right. So, you are completely balanced American girl, I guess. Yes. <laughs>、um, okay. So,、um, and I heard you studied art. Yes. At college. Yep. So, what happened? How did you get into the food world and、uh, in particular, Roman? I think what it's, it's quite often asked.、Um, Well, they're both creative. I like to use my hands. And I think, well, you know, my first encounter to the food or the hospitality industry is like, you have to make ends meet. As an artist, you're not making money、mm. after you're graduating. So I ended up working at a bar, being a server, and I actually really enjoyed being in the environment of a restaurant. And But I never thought I would be a cook.、Mm. I'll just continue to serve. Or, and then I ended up being with a person、mm. who is a personal chef. And then from there, I think it took me on to a different path. Right. Interesting. Because I, I found、uh, the fact that in 2007, your first sculpture, Jewelry versus Art,、yeah. was sold at the、uh, Mass Art auction, being one of the highest bid work. Yeah. So, you are obviously talented. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure, but、uh, yeah. there's an art element in your ball, too. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, yeah. Sometimes my guests say, you know, I always say, I don't know, I'm not a chef, I don't know how to plate things, food looks funny. 
but my guests go, oh, you know what? It, it shows that you went to art school. You mm. you place things in the way that artists would do. Take mm. a balance and some accents. Yeah, the colors and things like that. Right, interesting, right. So, um, okay, and how did you learn to cook ramen? Just try and error, but now you can get a lot of information on the internet. So I looked up how to make ramen, just mm. like what everybody else would do. And then, of course, like, my kid's father he's a personal chef so from him i learned how to cook or how to just go about maybe cooking broth or stock or things like that and mm. then having just general idea and of course seeing my mom cook right. help too but it's always like failing mm. <laughs> that teaches you things right right yeah so. i i know that personally very well <laughs> um yeah but uh you know that you had an advantage of Born ways in Fukuoka, right? Because yes. tonkotsu, maybe you can just quickly talk about tonkotsu, what it is. Well, the tonkotsu, so it's funny because when I started first making ramen, to me, like, what is tonkotsu? You know, you know what it tastes like, and you know it's from pork bones, mm-hmm. and then they tell, but it's like when you think about the flavor of pork and the broth, mm. like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's like mm. tonkotsu broth is its own thing. Right. <laughs> and it's like it could come from anything, mm. you know. But so like that's to me is a tonkotsu broth. And it is pork bone broth. Mm. I don't know what anyone else does, you know, right. outside of that rule. Mm. Interesting. So um, the ramen basically have soy, salt and tonkotsu. These are the three kings of yeah. ramen. Dashi. Right, and then of course we're going to talk about your vegetarian version later. <laughs> but um, so the tonkotsu has, to me, very um, kind of, you know, the texture is very smoother, thicker, yeah. and kind of a collagen-based kind of rich flavor. Is that how do you think is the tonkotsu? So I think it's funny, like tonkotsu broth like has progressed to being like a thicker richer cream creamier mm. but the ones that i grew up eating was actually kind of light you know it's it's soupy just really mm. salty oh uh, so maybe <laughs> more like the hakata nagahama styles just really simple mm. right so just quick and you have a lot of poke bones and you just cook it and like make stock. <laughs> some places use the whole head mm. and nothing else. Some people, some places use the the trotter or. Right. Oh, it must be really like a little collagen, like <laughs> smooth. Oh, that that sounds great. Yes, yeah, so I think you know the way I always described making ramen, or you know, there's always mystery. You know, it's like you can't, you know, there's. Pork bones mm. <laughs> somewhere in the broth, right? But you don't know which part exactly, or what percentage, or the head and head and what else. Mm. Um, so I think that you know that makes it fun, and I think that made me really curious, mm. you know, like chasing unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> oh, interesting. That's cute. <laughs> right, but I think the ramen is by nature. It's not a fancy food. There's no measuring, right. and you have something available. Yeah. And that's why it's so regional. Yeah. Right. It's true. Mm. So, anyway, I think I think in America, that richness appeals to American diners. Yeah. 
Uh, that's why I think uh, tonkotsu is, I heard it's most popular. Popular here, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's talk about your pop-up, which is three years, for three years before you opened uh, Oisa Ramen. Yeah. So how did you, how and why start pop-up? So... I was very curious, again, how to make the soup and see if it's possible, if it's at all a possibility to maybe open a shop. And in order to do that, you want to try. Mm-hmm. And I made broth at home, and I ended up making so much. <laughs> and I did so much, so I don't know what to do with. So then, at that point, so my now separated husband we're good friends with Stormify but Mm. Mike and I were working together and we've done pop-ups together which was food and art combined together and that was our theme so the concept of pop-up wasn't unfamiliar to me Mm. Um, so I said okay well we'll, I'll just throw it onto the Facebook and see where it goes and it was just donation only if you want to come you come and I just didn't want to waste food Mm. and then at that point I was still making noodles I don't because I couldn't get (laughs) noodles anywhere else Mm. it took all day long to just pull 45 noodles but it was I wanted to learn that aspect too Mm. wow that's huge (laughs) I don't know there are not many places that can supply good ramen even like sun noodle yeah that's, I think that's where you get the ramen yeah the from. sun yeah right but yeah that time uh, I think lately sun, sun noodle is kind of you know staple yeah. brand for ramen shops but yeah it's, it's interesting because <laughs> making noodles by itself is an art it, it was a lot of I mean it's it was a lot of work I had tiny little like home just pasta maker mm. and the ramen noodle like the dough especially for tonkotsu it's like so dry so oh. to bind it together and then sheet it to cut it it was just oh is it what it is it's a for tonkotsu you, mu- you must make the noodles drier yeah it, it has a lower hydration level mm. so that's why I think traditionally has smaller portions than like any other ramen style because mm. it, it's lower hydration once you put it in a hot broth so it gets soggier quicker right so it absorbs a lot of uh, fattier right right oh no, i didn't know that Interesting. <laughs> i think that's why the concept of i don't know which came first the concept of kailama mm. is the extra noodle you know the portion is small mm. so the kailama is there for the tonkotsu style right oh interesting <laughs> oh with the history <laughs> like okay so um yeah but how did you find the places to pop up you have so many right for three years yeah so again you know someone like judy or the friends of friend or because being in the industry and it's relatively small industry you get to know a lot of chefs and cooks and mm. you just keep talking and for me, but I think I've been quite lucky mm. you know and ramen is something that's was becoming trendy right. so I had other establishment approach me like how about doing an event here how about this and then some places I've asked to do a regular monthly mm. pop-ups okay so you have the space or you do kind of collaborate and create the menu it depends but mostly i brought my 
own food in. And、mm. then they would have special menu from their kitchen to support the menu, I guess. Kind of like an appetizer. Yeah, appetizers, a dessert, or sometimes it's a big collaboration event where I'm one chef, I'm, there are other people from other chefs with different skills sharing,、mm. and then we do an event together. Right. So, what kind of.、Um, Uh, restaurants, maybe you can name, name a few. So I've done one in a ramen shop. Now I think they're no longer there, but Snappy Ramen. Well, actually, they relocated.、Um, that was really fun to be able to work with another ramen chef and、huh. see how they operate. And the,、uh, the first big one was at La Brasa. It's in Somerville in Cam- Somerville. And it's a beautiful dining room, huge restaurant.、Mm. And That was really, really scary.、Mm. And so, just, just to be in that environment, because I've never cooked in a kitchen before. <laughs> Professional, like. <laughs> right. So, that, and then there is another place that I've done called Braska Kitchen. That was a monthly based restaurant、mm. that I've done the pop up. Right. So, it sounds like it's not just、um, ramen environment, kind of. No. <laughs> No, and there's always challenges doing a pop up that's not set up for ramen shops.、Mm. So it's really nice to have my own little shop and the equipment that's made for ramen.、Mm. As simple as like cooking noodles, steam. If you、mm. don't have the pasta boiler that circulates water, you know, not too many places have bowls for ramen.、Mm. So I had to bring everything with me.、Right. That was a lot of. Oh, that's fascinating. I mean, to me, that's so American. Like, you know, people tend to be, well, this is ramen, has to be separated from、yeah. this kind of restaurant. But it's kind of like a pasta, you know, that's a different version of pasta. Why don't you just throw in new American cuisine? It's pasta here.、Yeah. Maybe we can incorporate、yeah. the creative idea of ramen. And that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, and the chefs are okay. I mean, I'm sure that Western chefs started to open their、uh, the ramen shops. Yeah. And inspired by how that casual bowl can be creative and so、yeah. deep. Everybody's, the, all the chefs that I've been able to work with have been so great. And so, like, they're, they don't hesitate to share, or they always teach me what they know and how to navigate the kitchen.、Mm. I always, like, without. Being a line cook, I got to be a line cook, if that makes sense.、Mm. And that, that was such a great learning experience. Wow. So you really did,、uh, maybe like, it's like pop up was like a school. Yeah, absolutely. Right? On the job school.、Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so、um, why do you think, you know, I'm sure that there are other ramen projects like pop ups, but why do you think those became so demanded and popular? I think, like you said in, earlier, you know, Tonkotsu brass was something that was most popular here.、Mm-hmm. And it happens to be the one that I crave the most because of that's my nostalgic comfort food.、Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, I ended up just serving the most popular style ramen.、Mm-hmm. And I think part of it also is because it was how casual it was, you know, having a ramen in this pop up environment. And just being able to talk to me, also navigating this endeavor of making ramen and figuring it out. So everybody just kind of became friends. It was more like a friendly atmosphere than 
I'm cooking you food, and mm. you know, it's not a very serious thing. So. Right. Hmm. That's very interesting. So this sounds like uh, the community, like the culinary community in Boston, is close knit. Yeah. Is it? And also very open-minded and welcoming in some ways too. Mm. And once you tap into that sort of community, and then they will really help you mm. grow. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So glad that you did it in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So uh, yeah. Now let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about the most super popular ramen shop, Oisa Ramen, in Boston. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table, so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit coin.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Diane Stemple. And I'm Elena Santigade. And we're the hosts of Cutting the Curd here on Heritage Radio Network. Featuring interviews with makers and mongers and everybody in between, this show is a downright funky look at the world of artisan cheese. You can find Cutting the Curd wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese Broadcasting Live from Studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, and my guest today is Moe Kuroki, who is the chef owner of Oyster Ramen in Boston. So, um, so when you did open uh, the brick and mortar version of your own ramen shop, Oyster Ramen? January 15th, 2018. Oh, wow. So about a year and a few months now. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, and uh, what's the concept of Oisa Ramen? So, we have a slogan. It's, it's own your slurp and then just <laughs> <laughs> slurp and go. Mm. So, it is like really fast paced. You come in, slurp and go. Mm. You know? And that's the essential style of Japanese ramen eating. Yeah. Right. When we first opened, we had no we had four seats and then just standing bar. Mm. Since then we've installed chairs. But <laughs> <laughs> big progress. <laughs> yeah. And how many seats now? Now we have nine seats. Oh. <laughs> Almost two digits. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so yeah, um so that size and the, the pace of eating sounds yeah. very you know, Japanese in yeah. essence. Yeah. Right. So I think um, I think I um, I spoke to somebody from Ipudo. Yeah. You know, they're surprised at the style of dining. 
Yeah. Well, it's completely different. Different, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and sometimes people enjoy appetizers and the conversation so much that they stay like hours yeah. and then they don't get to ramen because they're so full. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you have the very essential tampopo style ramen. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> okay, so what's unique about Daoisa ramen compared to other ramen shops? So, well, one, really... Is small. <laughs> <laughs> That's charming. Right. And I think the other thing is that we do offer vegetarian friendly menu as well as tonkotsu on a menu. Mm. And, you know, I don't feel like my shop is tonkotsu ramen shop. And I feel like we're a ramen shop. Mm. You know, and like tonkotsu is somewhat. Of our to like a signature dish because that's where I started, but I like making vegetable ramen as much as I do tonkotsu. Mm, so, um, you know, there is a of course trend of vegetarian food yeah. demand. It's getting high. Like I think five percent of population wow. looking for vegetarian, and the vegan is like at this point like two percent or something conservatively. Yeah. And it's increasing, of course, and among especially among the younger generation. Yeah. So, did you try to meet the demand of the public? No, I think I think I was again like m- my motivation for things is just challenging myself or challenging my creativity. I like vegetables and what it can do, and I I think maybe part of it was with tonkotsu. I couldn't figure out how much more to be creative you know there is a certain way that tonkotsu ramen should be served or or in my head at least anyway I'm pretty much bound to the Hakata style tonkotsu ramen and I don't know how to think beyond that mm. but with vegetable broth I could think beyond just tradition you know it is not there isn't traditional vegetable broth ramen mm at least not that I know of and so it allowed me to just be really free mm. sounds like your artist nature <laughs> coming out yeah. so so the vegetable basically you know um, the stock yeah. is usually made with like say kombu or bonito like yeah. there's always animal element but yeah. you have to eliminate it yeah so the hardest thing that I had to eliminate was bonito yeah I love the taste of bonito and the the stock without it, mm. you know, dashi without bonito feels forever to me is missing something. Mm. So now I added a new new menu item called dashi niku, mm. and then that we have bonito. Okay, blend it with the veggie broth. Mm. So it's still lighter broth, but it has that umami from bonito. Right, because bonito it takes month and month to smoke yeah. and the cure yeah. and it's such a you know craftsmanship in yeah. really incorporating into the process but uh well that's the smokiness right yeah and some uh, of course a deep meat flavor of uh, bonito so but, savory right yeah. but how do you um realize that kind of depth in vegetarian version it's it's so funny. Like, my broth is so very simple. I use the simple mirepoix plus kelp, and that's it. Mm. And everything, I don't know 
I've tried different methods. I tried miso, I tried this, I tried that. And it ended up being just simple vegetable mm. broth. It's sweet, it's nice. You know, it is sweeter than what maybe everybody's used to、mm. in terms of ramen broth because、right. we use carrots. Carrots.、Mm. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs>、mm. Interesting. So, because I think we perceive ramen as something salty. Yeah. But by incorporating sweetness, you kind of round, up, round out the flavor. And yeah, and then instead of having the broth, so broth too salty, I think what I end up doing is making the toppings a little bit more salty.、Mm. So you take a bite of toppings and then you slurp, you, and then at the end you can you know, finish the soup and not being too salty.、Mm. Oh, that's, that's desirable. <laughs> yeah, because if you <laughs> go to a normal ramen shop and I really feel like drinking kind of gallons of water, literally. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to have that.、Uh, by the way, what's the meaning of oisa? Oisa is a rhythmic chant.、Um, there's a festival in Fukuoka called Yamakasa Festival. It's one of the big festivals, and they carry giant. Portable shrine、mm. and run through the city, and while they're running, they chant oisa, oisa, oisa.、Mm. So the word itself, I don't know what it really It's means. It's kind of like a go, go kind go, of. Go, go, yeah.、Mm. And I picked it because it relates back to my hometown. And if you're from Fukuoka, it'll be like, oh, that's what what's it's from.、Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And then I eat quick. Oisa, oisa. <laughs> Maybe.、Um, okay. So. But it sounds like, you know, go back to your ramen. So, you, do you call yourself、um, kind of traditional after going through creative path? Yeah. I think being Japanese and coming from the culture, I hold the word traditional. Very highly.、Mm. So, for me to be able to call whatever I do traditional, I don't feel like I'm worthy to do that.、Mm. But, you know, I am a student of the craft. And, you know, what I can say is I, I feel though it's authentic in,、mm. because I can't do anything about the palette that I have. And then the palette I have is authentic Japanese、mm. because that's what I grew up eating. So,、right. even if I make Italian food, it tastes like Japanese food.、Mm, interesting. Right. So, that authenticity, it's kind of programmed in your head.、Yeah. And I think by being here in Boston, you're creating that authenticity to something, a little new version,、yeah. new generation version of it. That's awesome.、Um, okay. So, what are your signature ramen balls? So. As I mentioned, tonkotsu is the signature, or that's the beginning, I, call, I think. And then I have a vegan dish called smoky shoyu, and I feel like shoyu ramen is the original classic ramen.、Mm. So I felt the need to have that classic shoyu ramen, but again with vegetable broth, because、mm. that's what I felt most connected to. Right. And then, I, I mean, I only have four ramen dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, four guests, that's like great. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then I have fun vegetarian one that has 
truffle oil and has a nice aroma, so it's a little twist. And then dashi niku with beef and onsen egg. and It tastes like niku don, but with oh, ramen version. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, which one is、uh, your customer's favorite, statistically? Tonkotsu.、Mm. Yeah. But、um, it's funny, like, non vegan, vegetarian guests still like to eat the smoky shoyu and truffle shoyu. And once they pick the one they like, they don't get anything else. Interesting. So I have like probably 60% regular guests, and I see them, and exactly I know how they like their food.、Mm, right. Well, but it's a big compliment, right? Because、yeah. well, somebody wanted, this is mine.、Yeah. I'm not gonna do anything else.、Yep. Right. Wow, I have to go to Boston and try <laughs> your ramen.、Um, okay, and you said you're, gonna, you, you're getting your noodles from、uh, San Noodle? Yeah. Yeah, so, and I, I know that your business partner also is、um, a George Kyle、yeah. from San Noodle. And by the way, George, <laughs> I, I've known him for a while, but he's amazing, super knowledgeable. Yeah.、Right. So I know what I know. From him too. He teaches me a lot too. So,、mm, right. so how do you describe? I mean, you, you could if you try. If you don't sleep, maybe you can make your own <laughs> noodles. But、uh, what's the criteria of good noodles for ramen? I think for me, so the reason why I don't make my own is because one, yes, san noodle is great, and it's not just a time, but They, are, they have ability to buy flowers from different places that's specifically grown and made for making ramen. And、mm. they have technology to just really manipulate and make great noodles, which, you know, like I could just struggle and struggle and struggle and fail、mm. many times to maybe get to. But I wouldn't have, being a small shop, nine seater,、mm. I wouldn't have an ability to have, carry two different. Styles of、right. ramen, and you know, it's also the consistency,、mm. right? Right, it's a it's another Japanese craftsmanship, right? If you know the best, <laughs> you just ask, yeah, work with the, the best、yeah. rather than you try to do all, right? So,、mm. okay, so. So, what's, you, I'm sure that I heard you can customize your recipes and your、right. whatever. So, what, how, do you, what, how do you describe your noodles? So, I care, for, from San Noodle, I carry two different styles of ramen. One is for traditional Hakata style, super thin,、uh, straight, and I describe it as crunchy noodles.、Oh. So, it's not chewy, bouncy noodles. That's, it's just, And it's dry.、Mm. Um, so that's the tonkotsu I have. And then the other one I have for shoyu ramen is、uh, tomato noodle.、Huh. <laughs> so, like you said, you know, how do I come about adding that layer of umami into vegetables? And that's missing protein. And,、mm. and tomato has a lot of umami.、Mm. And so, what they do is they use, I think, 10%. Of、um, sun dried tomato powder、mm. into the noodle. So the noodle themselves have this like sweet, tangy, packed in umami flavor.、Mm. And then that combined with you know, vegetable broth it just made a lot of sense to me. Right.、Mm. So that one is a thicker, curly, chewy, what you 
maybe what a lot of guests are more used to mm. being ramen noodle. Right. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> mm. So I'll let you next time I go to Boston. It's really yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, so it's been over a year since you opened Aoisa Ramen. So why do you think Aoisa Ramen is so popular? Why do <laughs> we? I think because we are welcoming of a lot of different cultures and guests, and you know, my menu shows that we're very welcoming and open. And I think the fact that we feel though we're traditional ramen shop, traditional small ramen shop, but because I've lived here so long, we don't. Carry that sort of maybe not uptight but scary energy, you know. Mm. <laughs> I'm more like Americanized, and we don't say hello in Japanese, we greet guests in English,、right. say thank you in English, <laughs> you know. And you know, a lot of guests ask me, like, Oh, how am I supposed to go about eating this?、I'm、like, however, you want you want to eat it with fork, please do,、mm. you know. And that makes people feel Comfortable, and then that makes them want to maybe come back. And then, you know, when once you make the connection with guests, and I'm always there talking and talking and talking,、mm. <laughs> so we become friends, and then they bring their friends, and I think it just feels like f- just family.、Mm. In essence, Japanese mom and pop ramen shop works、yeah. like that.、So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. And it's the customers are everybody, like you said. Yeah. Everybody, even though we're so small, we try to accommodate the best we can. Obviously, if you come as guests of 12, we don't have seats at <laughs> all. <laughs> right. <laughs> But even like guests come with strollers or babies, and I end up holding the babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's extra super service. Right. Okay.、Um, So,、um, well, this is a huge question, but、uh, what are some of the biggest challenges opening, in opening and running a ramen shop in Boston? Like, you know, I think the, the first challenge was really installing the idea of what really ramen culture is in Japan、mm. and how different it is in here.、Mm. You know, I think, especially for my shop, I mean, We can't sit there too long. You really have to slurp and go.、Mm. And also, we don't do takeout ramen.、Mm. And, you know, now maybe once a week or so, we get guests asking, why don't you do the takeout? And I'm like, I'd rather not take your money、mm. and disappoint you now than to take your money. And then have you be disappointed later.、Mm. But when we first opened, oh boy, it was like every day, many guests being angry, just like. But, you know, I think now we have guests who are coming back just, just to experience.、Mm. So I think that, those two things were the hardest thing、mm. operating. Right. So you have to show who you are. Yeah.、Mm. And I was so many times tempted to say yes, but I'm glad I didn't. Mm. And those are, you know, and I'm lucky because I listen to the chefs who's had the restaurants, and they're like, you know, you're gonna have to stick to、mm. what you do because you can't cater to everybody anyway.、Mm. Right. Yeah, and then the customers move on. Yeah. 
you know, the times of all those reviews and <laughs> social media. Right. So, yeah, so your identity, that's the foundation of your place. <laughs> um, okay, so what are some of the greatest experiences in running a ramen shop? Just meeting people, you know, and how generous they can be. And, and because our shop is so small, it's almost like we're running like a social experiment, you know, like, but everybody's accommodating to one another and then they start speaking to each other and then leave the shop as if they were friends. Mm. So to see that, you know, and to be able to carry a place that everybody feels relaxed and really welcomed, like, that makes me so happy just seeing guests be happy. Mm. I think that's the best thing. Right. So I'm curious how your parents say about your place. You know, it's. I think about that too. I think they're. My mom is mostly worried. <laughs> like this mom. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe you work so much, and you know, I'm worried that you know, take it easy sometimes. And I think my father would have been proud, knowing that you know, ramen is kind of was our thing mm-hmm. and I was his tag along I just went with him and you know my mom doesn't like tonkotsu ramen either <laughs> <laughs> that's why she's worried about it <laughs> she doesn't get it right oh that's funny right um yeah but uh, that community yeah. feeling especially you know you have to go through a lot of hard things and running a restaurant which yeah. is obviously very hard yeah so you have a lot of regulars I have a lot of regulars, mm. and it's really nice, you know, they, and I so I know I have a ramen shop, but I feel like I have a traditional bar mm. where guests come in and they wind down over a glass of cocktails or wine or whatever, mm. instead of they're just winding down a bowl of ramen, telling them how there's been, and, and I think that's why we have a lot of regulars. You know? mm. Right, so you can just stop in, because it's uh, your place yeah. to be. Nice. Okay, so what is your plan? My plan for the future, I guess, is for me, get the shop to the place where I can step away for a little bit and or a day or two. or And then I want to learn more from mm. different chefs by doing pop-ups or collaborations. So that's my next step. Interesting. So, are you interested in learning from, say, like Italian chef or yeah, the kind absolutely. of? Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I think, again, at my heart, I respect tradition, but am I a follower of tradition? I don't know. You know, I'm too kind of free spirit and creative to just, just follow the path, even though, like, I have so much respect mm. for tradition and. Sometimes I wish I could be, you know, one of the best at the craft, but mm. I don't think that's in my nature. Mm. I, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so where can we find more about Oisan Ramen? I would say two places. The website, oisaramen.com, and Instagram is where I post a lot of pictures and information about upcoming events. Mm-hmm. So those are the two places. Okay, great. All right, so thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you. Yeah, so uh, please make a post it and then maybe you can come back when you do some uh, interesting pop-up. Yes. <laughs> okay, so listeners, uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for uh, show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatem.com. Japan Needs is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Engineer, our engineer is Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.